Hey everyone, I'm Yasmin Nori and you're listening to the Behind Her Empire podcast. I'm on a mission to showcase successful self-made women who share honest stories and lessons of what it really takes to create the life you want and build your own empire. If you've been listening to the show, you know, just like you, I've been on my own personal journey to build my empire. I've recently started a new business called Bia that helps women tackle their period problems and hormonal imbalances using a natural whole foods approach. If you're suffering from extreme cramps, irregular periods, fatigue, bloating, stay tuned because a little bit later in the podcast, I'll share a bit more about my company, Bia. But for now, let's jump into today's episode. So we're mixing things up this week and we have another behind the scenes episode where I hand over the mic to my lovely husband, Drew Proet, who will be playing host. And now, babe, I'm going to turn it over to you. Awesome, babe. I'm <laughs> glad and honored to be back in the host seat. Our first episode was a hit. It was one of your most it, it popular was. It was. episodes. And, and I so appreciate everybody who reached out just to give me their feedback back it honestly means a world so hopefully we're back here to add value and share anything i can well talking about adding value you asked a question on social media the other day and you said what are some of your top questions about business podcasting life or other things that you want me to chime in on we got a ton of responses yeah. so we picked about 37 questions That's i don't know if we'll get through all of them today but we'll do as many as we possibly can and they are truly a mixture. So we have questions about how you got started on podcasting. We have questions about best practices with you starting Bia, a direct-to-consumer company in the women's health and hormone space. And we also have some questions about just how you organize your day, maintain energy, and all the fun things that go into the lifestyle of being an entrepreneur. So are you ready? Let's do it. All right, let's <laughs> jump in. Okay, on the topic of being an entrepreneur, maintaining energy. The first question that I've picked here, and unfortunately I don't have the names of the folks that wrote this in, but these are all fantastic questions. So shout out to all of you guys, gals rather. So the first question is, I would love to know what a day looks like for you, <laughs> especially morning and evening routines. What you got for us? Oh gosh, what a good question. Routine. So I think there's a few fundamental things, and I know I talk a little bit about this on Bia's social media, that have really changed my energy, my stress resiliency, and how I show up. Um, one of them really being having three meals a day. And I know, you know, typically, I know a lot of people sometimes wake up, they don't feel like they're hungry. That's still me, definitely. But I've noticed when I've had some protein, some fat and fiber in the morning, so these are all like blood sugar balancing meals. I just feel like my brain turns on. And for so many years, I was not eating breakfast. So I actually give you credit, babe, for really like instilling that in me. But yeah, so having three meals a day has been game changing for just sustaining my energy throughout the day. Second one, sleep. And maybe before you get to sleep, I'll add in a little bit of context since Please. my world is a little bit of the wellness world. Yes. Just to give some context for that and to kind of ask a little bit of a question, it it sounds very simple, but previously what you were doing is you were kind of like skipping meals. You oh, forget yeah. to eat. You'd often forget to eat breakfast. Lunch would be super delayed. Yeah. And now by the time that the afternoon comes, you're like starving. Yeah. And when you're starving, we number one, we don't make the best food choices. Mm -hmm. And number two, if you do eat a big meal, sometimes you feel really tired and then you feel like lethargic for the rest of the day. Yeah. So part of you eating these meals... Um, but what we did kind of together is we shortened your eating window. Mm -hmm. Like even though you eat breakfast, we kind of eat like an earlier uh, dinner yeah. so that you can still get a little bit of that time restricting, time restricted eating benefits. And that's what you're talking about, about not skipping meals and waiting forever. I think a lot of high yeah. power women in particular, they can put everybody else's priorities ahead of their own. And that often means skipping meals, not taking breaks. And you've been a big proponent of really talking to a lot of the women that are on your podcast who burnt out, yeah. totally lost their health and feel like, you know what, they don't have to do that now because there's more education and awareness. So I just wanted to add a little bit of context. Yeah. For what and I mean, I also want to share because I used to exactly, I used to skip my meals all the time. You know, we're so busy. I'd only be working on coffee. And I remember like in the afternoon, I would feel more anxious. Remember that? Like I just felt more stressed and I was like, babe, I don't know why I'm feeling more anxious than normal. You know, there's nothing that has come up and it just, my body was in a stress response, right? And of me not eating. So just that has also gone away tremendously. So I, I'm all about, if you can do these meals, like you said, 
in a shorter window of time, it's game changing for how you just feel. Yeah. One other thing that was there that I think is worth expanding on, you didn't used to have an appetite in the morning. I know. Right. You'd say, I'm not hungry, babe. I feel like I have to force eating. But then you started doing something that got your appetite up a little bit more in the morning. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah. How, how lucky am I to be with someone who's like deep into wellness because he... I, are you going to talk about the sunlight? Yeah. Just to, yes. I'm not going to talk about it. You're going to talk about I it. I know. I know. So literally for months, I'm like, babe, I am not hungry in the morning. Like, I don't know what to do. I can't force it in me. And he would say, you know, the first thing you need to do is to go outside and see sunlight because the seeing sunlight helps get rid of the melatonin in your body. Yeah. Seeing sunlight helps to set the circadian rhythm first thing in the morning. Nobody's talked about this more than Dr. Andrew Huberman, yeah. we're obviously both fans of his. Um, but seeing sunlight first thing in the morning does a bunch of different things. But as regarded to appetite, it helps to signal to your body that it's time to get rid of some of that melatonin that's left over. Because when mel melatonin is left high in the morning and people feel groggy and not, they, yeah. they naturally don't feel hungry. Yeah. And so you were, you still are pretty very regular about going and seeing sunlight. I try in the my best. Yeah. You're not perfect, and I think that's part of today's questions is what we want to get into is that this isn't about being perfect. Yeah. This is about just doing your best. That. So yeah, it helps reduce the melatonin. And what'd you notice for yourself? Uh, I definitely noticed that I feel more awake in the mornings because every morning it was a struggle for me. I'm not someone that jumps out of bed. Like, I, and I remember when we first started even dating, I would force myself to wake up so early. And I remember you telling me like, why are you doing this to yourself? Like you can sleep in a little bit more. And I just think I had this mentality in my mind of, I have to do things a certain way. I have to wake up early. I have to work out before I start the day. And the past two years just have taught me, especially starting a business is just like honoring what feels good. So I know I'm kind of going around to a few different things, but sleep is a big part of that. And also not pushing myself to wake up so early, but also the sunlight is allowing me to really turn on a little bit more in the morning and not be as tired, slow and groggy, which was absolutely old Yasmin. Talk about sleep. What are you doing? And are there any routines or things that you have to help you sleep better and function better the Ugh, next day? Sleep, man. I have skipped down on sleep for so long. And I think in my days in finance and start and you know, in the tech world, you just don't sleep that much. You're working all the time. You know, I'm sleeping, I'm having dinner at like 10 p.m., which is wild. And I was so used to that lifestyle. And I think one thing I noticed, thanks to you also, because you have a very good sleep regimen. And, and these are thanks to us together, right? Because it's both of us doing these things together. Sure, I was in the wellness industry for a long time. I've been playing around with a lot of stuff, but often it really takes two to tango. And so I want to yeah. give that credit back to you because we've set up the environment and we've prioritized sleep in our household so that we can function, be, enjoy the next day. Both of us are running our own businesses. Yeah. Both of us have our own podcast. So it's making those things a priority, which again, we both did together that allows us to fully show up in the way that we need to. Yeah, no, 100%. And I mean, I think the some of the basics of sleep is the timing of sleep. So my friends joke every time I go out during the week with them, I'm the first one that says I have to leave just because I know I need my ideally seven to eight hours. And I, I was wearing an aura ring that kind of told me that, but I just feel like I can function better in the day um, with just a longer period of sleep. And I never used to have that much uh, sleep. So I think having boundaries of when to go to sleep, I I definitely don't get tired at night. So I have to do a more of a wind down kind of protocol. So I try my best. I don't work at least, you know, I'll still kind of do emails sometimes after dinner, but I try my best not to work at least an hour before sleep because it absolutely stimulates me and I could be up all night just kind of like working and feeling good. Yeah, you tend to peak at night and you get in the zone a little oh bit. Oh my God. And yeah. so it's tough to... To get you to be ready for sleep when you're actually wanting to get to sleep because you also have other ambitions. You want to get up early. Yeah. You want to do a lot of different stuff in your life, right? So it's, 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 you're always balancing these things out. And that's not to say that you don't have fun. There's plenty of nights where you decide to stay out later. You're hosting a dinner. You're hanging out with friends, sure. whatever it might be. So you still have a lot of fun, but those moments seem to be more targeted situations. Yeah. And I think having the sleep reserve of the days before allows me to still have those one-off days where I'm not sleeping as much and I can still show up the next day. It's like these little tweaks you do in wellness just help you have a larger reserve to 
stay up later, to have more stressful days and not have it completely wreck your day to day. Um, But another thing for sleep is blue blocker glasses, right? I mean, you can go into the technicalities behind that, but we try our best not again, kind of goes back to not working as much at night, but really any kind of blue light on your TV, on your phone, on your computer. But I'd love for you to kind of share more about these blue blockers because I think it's like a cheap way to impact your sleep. Well, I even give people a a simpler hack. And I'll tell you from a story from, you know, a husband just noticing his his wife. And actually, this (laughs) happened even before we were married. I would notice that, you know, I I try to dim the lights at night because lights at night is very stimulating, overhead lights, blue lights, everything like that. And again, you don't need fancy blue light blocking glasses, just even dimming the lights as you start to get it in the last hour, hour and a half before bed. So just kind of like quiet things down a little bit and not have those lights overhead of you. What I would notice is that even though we dim them and in our room, we have a red light for like red light therapy that we use. I was gifted it, but you know. Uh, they're a little expensive, so I don't expect everybody to go out and purchase one. But we would turn that on, and that's another way to have light in the room without these blue lights that are overhead and lamps and other stuff. But I would notice that as we were getting ready for bed, you would go to your bathroom. We have different bathrooms. You have yours. I have mine. My This is something success to know. Success to our marriage. <laughs> Yasmin feels that the success to our marriage is us having different bathrooms. She absolutely needs her own space, which I totally respect. So I use the guest (laughs) bathroom. You have your bathroom, but you would go to your bathroom. You would turn on all the lights inside. And before going to the bathroom, you were like quieting down. You had done email. Everything is like relaxed. You're getting ready for bed. We have a little bit of our routine of stuff that we like to watch together, everything. You'd go in the bathroom You'd come out and you were hyped. <laughs> you were so hyped. Yeah. You're like, babe, I can't, I can't wait for tomorrow for this. I was like, whoa, 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 what, what happened? Listen, I want you to feel however you want to feel, but like, why is my uh, fiance at the time or girlfriend? Why is she getting so hyped? And I realized, like, actually, you're really sensitive to light. Interesting. Yeah. And your bathroom where we were living at the time, it's just super, super bright. So I don't know if you remember this, but I used to go in and I used to turn the bulbs yeah. off. I would yeah. kind of take some of the bulbs out so it wasn't as bright as night at, at nighttime. And then we started getting, you know, a few other tricks that were inside there, but just not making it super duper bright all yeah, around you, especially true. with blue light right before night. Now you have blue light blocking glasses. I wear them too. It's super helpful, but hey, it's not necessarily for everyone. So pick and choose yeah. what you want to take on. No, you're right. Dimming the lights was game changing. I'm so used to doing that now that I completely even forgot there was a life before that. Well, let's go to this idea because this is less about these little hacks that we practice. And it's more about how do you feel now that you've been prioritizing sleep? What have you noticed with your resilience Mm -hmm. the next day? How often you get sick? How much more grounded you are for all the ups and downs and the roller coaster that life throws at you, especially when you're an entrepreneur? My gosh, it's been completely life-changing for me. I mean, the first thing you said was just the resiliency. I feel like, especially as an entrepreneur, or even if you're just, you know, changing careers or you have a job and you feel like it's very stressful or unknown in certain situations, I feel like sleeping more regularly has allowed me to be a calmer, less anxious person. And I did not even know that a simple thing as sleep could make such a profound impact in my life. And then the, the second thing, which is, insane is life before I used to get sick all the time literally all the time like it was just anytime I'd feel run down I'd automatically get sick that was at least like every other month in my old life my With what, old like, the, like a cold or I would get fevers I get colds the way my body throws out the red flag I get canker sores since I was a kid like that's something I have to manage if I'm completely burned out um, but I, yeah, I would get colds. I was getting sick all the time. I mean, even asked my friends are like, oh, did you have like a tough week? It was just like how it was. Like I was, I was like on the dot ready to get sick. I truly have not gotten sick, you know, in the past two and a half years. I will say I did get the flu last week, which was, you know, it's been a long time since I've gotten sick. Uh, very humbling experience. We can talk about that later. But yeah, sickness has been key. So honestly, I think, you know, it's it's interesting because you hear, you know, there is also a side of me that feels guilty about prioritizing sleep, especially as an entrepreneur, right? You hear all these things like there's no time to sleep. You have to work all the time. And there is an old side of Yasmin that agrees with that because that's kind of how I've been trained in my old work. But 
I've been burnt out. I've worked my ass off in so many different ways that it's not fun. And like, I want to build this business. I'm incredibly ambitious, but I also want to feel good during it. So, you know, old Yasmin never used to prioritize sleep. And, you know, that's just something I, I really now do. And I'm, I'm trying to hopefully be an example for a different way you can build a business without killing yourself every single day. Hey everyone, it's Yasmin here. I wanted to tell you a quick story. Before I started this podcast, I was working extremely long and crazy hours in banking and then in tech. I was totally burnt out, not living my truth and dreaming of always building my own empire. With all of this stress, it came really debilitating periods from bloating, cramping, extreme breast tenderness and really unpredictable moods. I would always complain to my friends that I was literally out of commission for at least a week every single month. And that adds up to three months in every year. Other than feeling frustrated that my really bad periods were keeping me from pursuing my actual goals, I knew that something wasn't right. Women are not inherently designed to suffer every single month. That's when I learned about hormonal imbalances. I started working with functional medicine doctors who told me that years of stress combined with taking birth control pills long-term created a cascade of hormonal damage in my body. This is why I felt bloated, tired, crampy, and moody before and throughout my period. They recommended I try something called seed cycling. And let me tell you, it's changed my life. Seed cycling is the simple process of using food as medicine to naturally support your hormones. It uses four different types of seeds, yes, actual seeds, throughout your menstrual cycle to support the balance of hormones like progesterone and estrogen and give your body critical nutrients it needs to achieve your best health. Within weeks of starting this process, I noticed major shifts in my period and my overall health. But I also noticed that seed cycling is actually kind of hard to do. I wanted the best quality seeds freshly ground in the right amount, but it was very time consuming. So I decided to create a simple and effective way for anyone to start seed cycling today using the highest quality organic seeds in the right amounts with the right support. It's called Bia and I'm so excited to bring it to you. Now anyone struggling with hormonal imbalances can easily incorporate seed cycling into their busy schedule with the Bia Seed Cycling Bundle. This process has been life-changing for me. I no longer deal with cramps, bloating, breast tenderness, or any other PMS symptoms before my period. It's been a complete game changer, and it's allowed me to focus on things that matter most to me, like this podcast and building my own empire. And most importantly, I want this for you too. If you or anyone you know has been struggling with hormonal imbalances or bad periods, go to beawellness.com slash free. Once again, it's beawellness.com slash free to download our free guide to our top tips in tackling hormonal imbalances and to learn more about our seed cycling bundle. We included this link in the show notes along with a promo code for $10 off for all of our Behind Her Empire listeners. I know you're going to love seed cycling just as much as I do. Thanks for listening listening. And now let's get back to the show. I love it. Awesome. Okay, let's move on. We're going to go from the idea of morning routines, evening routines, and building physical resilience through that to another form of resilience. And that's resilience through community. So a question that one of your followers has for you for today, number two question is, what are some of the top ways to connect with female entrepreneurs that are out there, individuals that are simpatico that could support you on your journey and they'll support you on their journey. So how have you connected, met, kept in touch with and fostered relationships with other entrepreneurs, especially all these badass women that you know? I get this question a lot. And especially as I'm, you know, doing BIA, it's been over a year, it becomes more and more important for me to just have a network of founders. So I'm very passionate about this topic because I think 
we can't do anything alone and you need that community just to like give you life, just to be there for you. So even thinking about how I built community uh, before even starting Bia, before I was an entrepreneur, I know I talked about this in our first interview together, was getting women together, right? I was doing this with a good friend, Shiza Shahid, who's a founder of Our Place. She's amazing. And we would, we would be the hub to just get incredible women who we meet. And it started small, you know, it was like, six to eight people, then sometimes we would have a bigger one. So if you can do that- in- And what was the goal of those dinners? If I could just interject, what, what was the goal of getting these women together? Yeah, the goal was really to just create community answering this question because a lot of women, you know, no matter what life stage you're at, you are craving community of like-minded people because it's tough in whatever stage you are in building a business. And we felt like we wanted that for ourselves. And when we put that out there, so many women gravitated towards that. And it's just finding other similar women, especially because, you know, I'm sure people are listening. I've gone to so many networking events where it's all men, literally all men. And maybe that was because of the industry I was in in finance and then in tech. And listen, I love men and I've had the most amazing mentors and supporters, but it was really amazing to be able to create my own space with Shiza. And that was the first time I felt like I belonged. And it was the first time I felt like, oh, wow, these are my people. I've never really felt that way. Like I'm a pretty social person. I can kind of talk to anybody in a room, but I think just creating that environment for myself. So whether you can do that with a few of your girlfriends um, who bring a plus one to dinners, you know, starting out, like any way you can create that community for yourself is huge. Um, Another thing, you know, there's two other things that come to mind. You know, social media is amazing and beautiful. I've had, you know, whether it's me reaching out to just entrepreneurs that I, you know, I resonate with, I follow them, I like their business. I will just reach out to them and say, hey, like, do you want to grab... Like, do you want to just chat for 15 minutes on Zoom? You know, you'd be surprised how people are receptive. And I've had a lot of amazing women do that to me. And now they're kind of like in my network of just other entrepreneurs who are, you know, building. Um, So I think don't hesitate to reach out to people. I'm the biggest proponent of that. Send that DM on LinkedIn, on Instagram. And if people don't respond to you, don't take it personally, but you will find you know, a few people that do respond and give you the time. And it could be like that energy and that momentum you need to kind of, you know, go forward in your path. And then the third one is there's a lot of incredible uh, female entrepreneurship groups. You know, a few that come to mind that, you know, are are led by friends of mine. Um, one of them is Luminary. They have an incredible network of entrepreneurs. Female Founders Club um, is, a, is another, uh, sorry, Female Founders Collective. Uh, so there's just a lot of communities online and also CEO School. Sorry, that's a third one. But these are all amazing women who've done such an incredible job creating community and also creating digital courses, which I think are helpful because in entrepreneurship, you don't know what you don't know. And I think they've done a really good job um, of, of bringing just a great curriculum and community as well. Seeing from the outside, and one of the reasons I asked you what the goal was of that dinner series that you had with your friend Shiza, also my friend, they're the person, her Shiza and her husband were the ones to introduce us, shout out to them, is you created an excuse for women to get together. And one of the things is, especially in the category where you have a minority group, let's say women, stepping more and more into being the heads of businesses, and especially as you create more and more success, the number of other people that have had the same experience, the number of other female founders that are also playing at the level where they could talk to other women about this gets smaller and smaller the higher up you go. So all the women that you invited, they were looking for this too. So it wasn't just something to serve you. It was something to give back to the community. So starting small, and sure, maybe somebody listening doesn't live in LA, New York, San Francisco, Austin, or one of these cities where a lot of these individuals may be in, just start with the people that you know in your area yeah. and get a little dinner together. Get a little potluck together if you don't want to go spend money at a restaurant. Just do something to start creating community. And there's a friend of mine, his name is Lewis Howells. He runs a podcast called School of Greatness. He would always say, go to where people grow. So where do these women that you want to get together, mm-hmm. these badass female entrepreneurs, Where are they going to grow? Maybe you could host something where they want to come to to grow as simple as a dinner. And you do that all the time, babe. And I want to just acknowledge you for that. I truly think your ability to connect and create an opportunity and excuse for people to get together is one of your top superpowers. Thank you, babe. 
All right, ready for the next question? Let's do it. Question number three. What are some of the most surprising things you've learned from guests on your podcast? Give us two. There's so many things that you've been taught, but think back to the beginning, especially. Yeah. Of your podcast and think about some of like the early guests and interviewing them and what your sort of conceptions or misconceptions were of business and what was possible and how people made it or how they didn't or how often they had to zigzag or pivot. What were a couple things that stand out that were surprising for you at that time? Anything that comes to mind? Yeah. So I'm going to go back to when I started the podcast, I had no business. I was an aspiring entrepreneur. I wanted to do something, but I didn't know what my idea was. So I'm going back to that time. And a few things that stand out are it might sound obvious, but it, it after hearing my first five interviews, it really pushed me to start Bia. Like, I think I was like, I'm going to do this. Um, it was, there is no right time to start something. And you have to be bold and take that risk at some point in your life. And it sounds so obvious. And of course, like you have to be mindful and logical about how you take that risk. It's not like you shouldn't think about how you are financially and all these steps, but it was just these women were brave to take that step, that big leap, and there was no right time. So that was just interesting because I think for so long, I was always waiting for that right time to start a business. I mean, I've honestly wanted my own business since I was like nine years old. Like even if like I, I joke, but like I've really wanted this. I even knew this when I went into banking and I saved all my money for this one day that I start something. So I think really hearing that from multiple women that there's not a right time and you have to have that courage to take that first step was huge. The second one was, you know, we all have imposter syndrome in terms of like, am I fit out? Am I fit to to bring this to life? Like I'm not an, I'm not an expert, you know, with Bia, like I don't have, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a nutritionist. I don't have the health background. But what I've realized is you don't necessarily have to be an expert in whatever business you're doing. And if you've listened to like majority of my podcasts, a lot of these women are solving their own pain points and have no background in whatever they're doing. And now that I've kind of lived it and I've created this business, and of course I've partnered with my sister-in-law who's been in the world of wellness and we have great advisors, but you, you don't need to be an expert before you start. You can absolutely learn along the way. I think the biggest thing to think about is the passion for what you're bringing to the world um, and the mission behind that is is huge. So those are two things that st- stand out with the women. And then another one, I mean, this is something I think a lot and I know I talk a lot about in my podcast. I didn't, I do now, I didn't have many examples of women starting businesses and having families. So I now I know there's a, so many women who are doing that but I truly didn't know what that would look like. Like I really didn't know that would look like. And I knew in my gut, I wanna do big things. I have a lot that I wanna do. I wanna start Bia, you know, but I also wanna start a family. It's not like it's one or the other. And it's something I've always wondered, like how does that even work? And I think what was so incredible was that so many women on my podcast started a business when they were pregnant or had very young kids. It was like a light bulb effect that, They wanted to change their lives. They wanted to bring something into the world and it wasn't stopping them. And I know it's not easy, right? Like it's not easy to do both, but that was super surprising to me that so many people did not hold themselves back because of them being pregnant or having young kids and have built incredible businesses. So I am super passionate about that. So, you know, once we're there, I'm going to be talking all about this because I'll be going through my own journey. But that's, that was a huge thing just from the interviews that I, that I had. Well, since you brought it up, I'm happy to pull on that thread a little <laughs> bit. What are some of the things that you're excited about or even a little bit nervous about as we gear up and yeah. setting intentions for starting a family in the future in specific context of this idea of running your business, mm. you know, wanting to have enough time for your friends and family, and then, of course, us starting our own family. So what are you excited about? What are you nervous about? Oh, gosh, babe, that is a good question. And that's why I love when you play host. Um, You know, there's definitely a lot of nerves there. 
it it hasn't it's the nerves are not as bad as how it was before I started the podcast because I truly would feel anxious thinking about how do I even have kids with the, a business now I know it's possible but of course everybody's nervous and everyone tells me like there's no right time to have kids like you know there's there's no right time um and just if you could I'm just gonna interrupt you expand on that a little bit more just for the people that are listening what was it what was it that you were nervous about about having kids and a business like what did you imagine yeah what were you afraid of what were some of the, your fears what was coming up for you when you thought about that I had no idea how something all encompassing like a business, like that is taking up so much of my time. I couldn't even think about what it would be like to bring a human into the world. I was like, I'm barely trying to get by. I'm doing my best to even have my health protocols in place. I'm trying my best to be a good friend, a wife, seeing my family, your family. We're both super involved in our families. Like I I just, I wouldn't even know how it fit in my schedule. And that was, it's very nerve wracking. So a couple things that I think I learned from these women and I continue to learn is they don't do this alone. And I know it's like a huge luxury to have help and support. And I know like Shilpa, who's a founder of Kuyana, when she started, she said one of the best investments that we made as a family, and this was like before they were making a lot of money. And I think her husband was still in residency was investing in help. And that's something that they decided as a family. And that was game changing for the early days of her starting her business with two young kids at the time. So I think a few things that stand out is just how important help is, whether you hire someone, whether you have family close by, um, how important it is to have a partner who really leans in and helps. I've seen that kind of be a superpower for a lot of women is having like a partner who is involved um, if you don't have that extra support on hand. I know it's unique for everybody. So that's been huge. And also, I think running a business, and this is something I'm learning so much, is prioritizing on the right things. We can all, kids or not, work 24-7. And I'm guilty of that sometimes. Like I'm always working. But what I'm realizing more and more in the journey is that is not what's going to move the needle. It's focusing on the right things. And what I've heard from women who have kids is on my podcast is like you get this laser focus when you have a kid and there's like no fucking around anymore. It's like you just get so focused on the main things and the goals that you want to bring that because there's not enough time for you to dilly dally and work till 10 p.m. doing these emails that I can see that being a value add. And that's something even pre-kids I'm trying to do. Like, how do I always prioritize what's the most important thing? Because, you know, as people know who are running their business, there's always something going on and some email you haven't responded to or some something happening. Um, so I think like prioritization post-kids, if anything, I'm super pumped about that. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you for the transparent share. It's always great for people to hear. And like a lot of things, you don't know what it's like until we go through it. That includes myself, right? Myself too. And I'm excited about going down this journey with you. There's going to be a lot of things that we're going to be navigating throughout the way, but I couldn't figure out a better partner to be able to do it with because I feel like one other superpower that you have is that you're always game to talk about stuff. You know, talking is kind of like my love language, right? (laughs) I I use words of affirmation for those that are familiar with the the different love languages that are there. Words of affirmation, physical touch. Uh, what, What are yours, babe, by the way? What would you say are your top ones? I'm curious because I think I did it and it was acts of service mm-hmm. and words of affirmation. I think it was acts of service and physical touch. And physical touch. Yeah. I think words of affirmation is starting to creep into number three for you, but I don't know if it's in your top two. <laughs> yeah, but hey, you tell service. me. <laughs> Anyways, as somebody who really le- leads with words and I'm big on sort of like getting a chance to talk things out, not over talk them because that always can be a problem too. But um, whenever we bump up against stuff because we both want to have big lives mm-hmm. and we both have big lives or we're one of us is nervous about the future. Or we're trying to figure out how we're going to go about stuff. You're always game to talk it out. You're always game to talk it out. And, and uh, you know, we also have our monthly check-in with our therapist as yeah. well. Shout out to Michael. He's an incredible guy. We did that even before we were married, Yeah, uh, which is a whole other thing. Maybe that'll be our third conversation. So I just want to acknowledge you because you're always game to talk things out and, um, This is going to be an adventure, but I'm excited to go on it with you. Thanks, babe. I'm excited to do it with you. And I just want to give a shout out to Drew. I like get emotional talking about it. You know, I'm just crying over here all the time. 
he's just been the most supportive person through the journey i just feel so blessed so thank you babe for just being incredible oh i got your back babe i got your back is this the first time you've cried on your own podcast no you've cried a couple of times right i don't know i think so i mean you know i cry all the time that's also a new thing that's good yeah that's in that's a very new thing i think i shut off my emotions for so long because it just wasn't part of the workplace but i literally cry all the time now and I just embrace it like literally I was having a conversation with Monica who's on my team and just checking in with her and just sharing my gratitude and I start crying and I like all the time like it's just who I am so it's just I'm embracing it crying is <laughs> a recognition of the joy and the beauty in that space right there's a yeah. lot that goes into it I even heard somebody recently talking about how crying is anti-inflammatory you know there's so many great things about it so cry anytime I feel you want. I definitely feel good 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 All right, shall we continue? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, great. Let's go into another category. And that's the idea of pulling more on this idea of starting a business and getting clarity around what's working and not. So one of the questions that we have here is, how did you nail your messaging with your new company? Mm -hmm. How did you guys even decide on what you were going to focus on and get clear about the message that you wanted to put out there to potential customers? This is a really good question because I had that question before I started too. And, you know, you can have all these ideas of the messaging of what you're bringing into the world, but you don't really know until you put it out there. So one thing I think that we did well was we started posting on social media well before we even had a product. We were, you know, we're very big on education and women's health, but I think putting more content out there helped us so much to see what resonates with people? You know, what we're doing is this concept called seed cycling, which is incredibly confusing. And even to this day, we're thinking about how do we make the conversation less complicated and help women understand that they can support their hormones and why that's even important. Because a lot of women, including myself before, didn't even know how hormones control every aspect of your body, even if you don't have PMS. It's just, it's big. So I think one thing that worked with us was putting things out in the world with content and seeing what uh, gravitates towards people. And also, once you start selling your product, being close to your customer, those early customers, they are so, so helpful when it comes to feedback. And I will straight up ask them their thoughts on different things. I mean, I continue to ask them. We're always looking to innovate and make the whole process simpler. So I think putting things out there in um, in the world and being super close to your customer and building that community with them because they are your, they're just going to provide so much feedback into, you know, what made sense to them, what didn't make sense to them. Um, and then just continue to test, try different things. Like if you go on our social, we do all sorts of content, you know, some things I'm even embarrassed, but I still show up and I do it, but it's just, it's always super interesting to see what resonates. And it's typically things you would never think sometimes. So just put it out there. Um, and be very close to your customer and know there's no right way. And your messaging is always changing, mm. I think. I love that. I think if you compare that to a little bit of the corporate mentality, right? I'm not just talking about people that come from corporate media, but I'm talking about the corporate approach. The corporate approach is nail everything down on paper, spend all these time, all this time in meetings and and review with people and labor over the exact best way to say something, to think about something, spend a bunch of money, spend a bunch of time. But when you're starting off, especially for probably a lot of people who are listening to this podcast who have an idea for a business but haven't started yet, most likely they're going to be self-funded, right? Just like you were on your journey. You're not mm-hmm. going to raise money. You're going to go self-funded, especially if it's your first business. And what are the things that you don't have access to? You don't have a lot of time. Yeah. You don't have a lot of money. (laughs) So you're trying to figure out what are the ways to quickly get feedback from your audience to nail the messaging. There's no better way from what I'm hearing from you than trial and error rather than than thinking that you're going to come up with a perfect messaging, launch some campaign, and it's all going to work out. Yeah. And one thing that just comes up because like you mentioned, we're self-funded and the way we're building the business is so different to other startups who might have a little bit more capital to pay an agency and a branding agency. And like, I just, we can't do that. So I had a lot of conversations with different people about who can help us kind of put together our brand. And what we ultimately decided, Kay and I, uh, my co-founder is 
we know the brand the best and to just really like be patient with it, like with the messaging, like and and not and, and somebody else won't necessarily have the answer because we did entertain that a little bit and it just didn't resonate. So, you know, sometimes we always look for other people to help. And I think that's great to have support. But as a founder, especially so early in your business, like you have the answers available to you. And it's just a matter of like getting quiet, putting things out there and testing and just really listening. So I think, you know, you don't necessarily have to spend so much money on that component, but that that's just my own personal opinion and how I've chosen to build our brand so far. All right, babe, we're going to go from business and we're now going to jump into podcasts. We're going to be jumping around a little bit. <laughs> we're going to go from like business, podcast, health, wellness, you know, all sorts of different stuff. So this is related to just life as a whole, but it's also related to your podcast. And the individual asking this question says, how have you navigated imposter syndrome, specifically in the context of you wor your work and interviewing such high-profile guests on the podcast? What comes up for you on that topic? Let's even keep it simpler, right? No, it's a good. It's let, a really good question. Have you? Let me break this question down into a few parts. Have you ever felt imposter syndrome, especially at yeah. the start of the podcast oh, yeah. when you had on these big guests? Hundred thousand percent especially in the early days when I was like, I'm not even a podcast host. Like, who am I to interview these people? Um, I will say there were a few advantages that I had in just like my experience when I was in finance. I was meeting a lot of founders and CFOs and CEOs. So I knew they were just like us. And I really love that aspect of the job. So I've connected, but it's still intimidating that someone so high caliber is giving you an hour of their busy day. And the way I got around that was, and I do this naturally, but it really helps me is just I over prepare. I make sure that I'm really prepared for that conversation. And that has always been for me just in life, how I've kind of chilled out my nerves a little bit, especially when you're doing something for the first time. Um, in those early days, it, it was very nerve wracking. I mean, I, I talk about, you know, the first podcast I had with the founder of Equinox. It was literally my first podcast I went out, Lavinia, shout out to her. She's amazing and her team. But I was very nervous for that interview. And I think I just kind of forced it. You know, I think I forced it. Uh, of course, you're always going to have these conversations in your head that like you might mess up, you might get nervous. And I would just still show up. And I think the prep just really helped me. And I will say, I would promise you, the more you do something, the easier it gets. And I am living proof of that. And I'll, I'll bring something up that's totally uh, on a separate note, but I just want to share because it, it's just amazing how far I've come. When Clubhouse just came out, when was this, like 2020? Mm -hmm. yep. Early days. And um, with a friend of mine, Karen and Tracy, we decided to do a room. They were like, do you want to come join in, and join in on this room? I was like, yeah, let's do it every week. It'll be like good practice. I can connect with other entrepreneurs and be helpful in any way I can. And I was for some reason so nervous showing up every week. And again, I'm with these kind of going back to the question, like these two other entrepreneurs who've been doing it and Bia wasn't even launched yet. Right. So I did feel like, who am I to sit here and give advice when I'm just building and we're not even live yet? I was so nervous every week, but I would still show up every single week. And I will say by like, again, the fifth, sixth time, it was like just normal for me. So I think we all have those feelings and just push yourself in those situations because it does get so much easier in time. And we all have those nerves, but you just, you still show up and you prepare and you know, sometimes you'll fuck up and like, that's okay. And that's part of the process. Um, but you know, that's the only way to build your confidence is putting yourself in these like super uncomfortable situations, despite all those narratives that you might have about yourself. You had a great uh, woman on. We're both mutually friends with her. And you had her on your podcast, Dr. Joan Rosenberg, oh, and she has so this great. great quote. And she says, confidence is not this thing that you just inherently have or don't. Confidence is knowing that even if something doesn't work out, you're still going to be okay. Yeah. And that only comes from practice. Yeah. And you've done a great job about that. The level of comfortability you have now on your podcast, talking to, interviewing people, even honestly, the level of comfortability you have in this interview, when you used to be so, <laughs> so nervous nerd. about the idea of even me interviewing you. Oh my God, is, for real, is yeah. huge. And I think part of it is that 
you also realize who you are and who you aren't. This goes for everybody. You realize that the more comfortable you are about talking about what's working well, talking about what's not working well, Mm -hmm. and not pretending to be anything other than what you are, that actually instills confidence because it's like, hey, I don't need to prepare for this. There's nothing that I need to become that's different than who I am. I just need to show up and be transparent because that's what people are looking for when they want this behind the scenes. They want the real juice. They want the tea, the inside tea on what actually isn't working, what's tough, what you've struggled with, where it didn't work, what you've navigated, and how you kind of think about all that together. No, it's so true because I think we can all get in our heads of being something we're not, but if we're truly like to our core, we show up as who we are, it just makes the experience so much better. And again, like the first interview we did together, I was nervous. I was like, what what value am I going to add about my process? But that interview was honestly one of the top most listened to episodes, which I was shocked about. And the responses that I got from that was I was, you know, I, I'm, by the way, I'm so grateful if you reached out just to kind of share how it resonated because it just made me realize like, I just want to be as real as I can and share whatever I am in this crazy po- process of building a business. And people are going to like you. Also, what I realized, like people are always going to have an opinion about you, whether you say something this way or that way. And it's like, you just have to be really comfortable in your own skin. And I'm still working on that, but I've come a long way. Um, And, you know, I really do wish that upon everyone. Like everyone's always going to have an opinion, good or bad, all the time. You just got to show up and be who you are. And at the end of the day, it's just how you feel about yourself, I think. Let's shift into pre-entrepreneurial career. There's a few questions that are here about that transition and going from corporate into other avenues of life. So the first question we have here is, how did you handle a career change? You know, there's some people that are listening, and this is me reading between the lines, who are not yet ready to go down the entrepreneurial side of things, Mm -hmm. but they feel a strong calling inside to change careers. So what was the biggest career change that you've had in your life? And how did you actually muster up the emotional energy to actually pull the trigger and do it? It's such a good question. And there's so many thoughts that come to my mind about this. Um, my, so what was the biggest? Yeah, yeah the so- biggest one was leaving a successful career in banking to make half as much money in a new industry that I was, wasn't in, which was I was in the startup world. And why did you want to do it? What was the motivation? You know, I was in I was in finance for about seven years, and every two years I was switching firms or teams because I was trying to find my place. I was like, okay, I'm not happy in this team, but let me figure this out. And I was kind of doing the same thing. I was networking with everybody in different groups, and I would switch into that group. And then two years go by, it was like the same itch. Okay, I'm not in the right place. And then it finally got to a point. And I actually remember I was thinking about this the other day. I, I can't remember why. Um, I moved back to LA. I was still in banking. I thought, okay, let me get back home. My hours will be a little bit better that I can really reflect on what I want to do and network because in New York, it was just completely, I was working a ton. Um, And I remember sitting in a conference room, actually it was like a big conference and it was just like this light bulb went off and I was like, I am not meant to be here. It got louder and louder. I think I heard it every two years, which is what pushed me into different groups and different firms and let me move here and there. But it was like that final straw of I, this is not me. Like I felt like, I felt like I had an out of body experience looking around and being like, what am I doing here? So that calling got really stronger and stronger. And the way I did that career change, because it's, it's really tough to leave something that you're doing well in. There's not like any big red flags outside of you yearning to wanting to do something different was literally what I do still to this day. If I don't know how to do anything, I network. I cold emailed, I reached out to so many people on LinkedIn, friends of friends, family friends, any, not even family friends, because no one was really in the world I wanted to, but like, literally, I would ask anyone around me, just to learn about what does that even look like at the time I wanted to work at a tech startup, like, what were all the roles within a tech startup, like, I spent one year before I I pulled the trigger um, in banking, just meeting different people. So when I felt like, okay, this is time. I at least kind of had a lay of the land of different opportunities. And that's when I started, you know, I've never applied for a job. Um, Actually, I have applied like my first jobs I applied, but it's all been through connections and networking and really fostering those relationships because 
switching careers, especially as a banker going into uh, tech. I mean, I can't tell you how many people said, what in the world are you going to do? Like you have this corporate experience. There's nothing that you can bring to the table. Like straight up, I got a lot of rejections. So it's really building those relationships with people who know your drive, who know your intentions, who are willing to take a bet on you. And, you know, I'm really passionate about doing that now with Bia, like taking bets on people because so many people did that for me. So that is how I've gotten my foot in the door in in jobs that everyone said, there's no way you have the right experience to do this. Relationships. Relationships, Relationships. connecting, meeting people, and asking for advice. And asking for advice. Yeah. This piggybacks on the next question. Someone asking, how did you find mentors and advisors throughout your career and even in entrepreneurship? Was it the same advice that you have? It's, you know, it's the same advice. And I credit this man when I interned at Goldman Sachs. And this one thing he told me was meet everyone you can in different groups and different teams. And literally that has been in my head since that time. Um, so in terms of mentors and advisors, you know, because listen, like sometimes you don't have, a, I've, I've worked in corporate for a long time. Like I've played the game. You might not have a manager who's a good manager, who's invested in you. And that's okay. You know, some people have strengths and weaknesses. So I've always cold emailed, even when I was in banking, uh, other managers and individuals just to meet with them because I was craving that mentorship and, and just someone who really cared about me. Because when you work at these big companies, you can feel just like, one out of a million people and no one cares and you're just like working all the time. And I did not like that feeling. So yeah, I would do the same exact thing. I literally would reach out to people. You know, we'd be in a meeting. I saw someone who's ahead of another team who seemed very kind. I think I have like a very good gut check on people and I would reach out to them and they, you know, many of them ended up being my mentors. And I care a lot about people. I love relationship building with people I, I like and a lot of them I'm still in touch with. So, you know, even if you don't have those mentors and advisors in your immediate position, you I would just broaden that search a little bit if you work at a big company. And if you don't have a work in a big company, again, I've cold emailed people on LinkedIn all the time and had a 10 minute conversation and one out of 10 people end up being a mentor and advisor. So it's really just about putting yourself out there because you'd be just, just surprised how people are willing to give you the time, but you have to put in that work. How are you finding mentors and advisors in the world of entrepreneurship? Is it the same formula? Are you doing something different? Is there any part of that that you're struggling with that you want to talk about? Yeah, you know, I, th I think about this a lot for myself, because I've done a really good job with this in my other careers in finance and in tech. It was a little bit more straightforward for me because I was like, oh, okay, I want to learn about X and I want to go here. So I'm going to reach out to all these people who are in this world or who are kind, because they can give me uh, a little bit more clarity on that. As an entrepreneur, it's, I don't know if I'm saying this in the right way, but I'm just going to share how I feel. It feels a little bit more difficult to me. And it's not because I don't have access to women. I meet incredible women all the time. I feel very blessed to now be in a position where I meet people. Um, but I haven't done a great job having advisors. But what I will say uh, that has been super helpful for me is having women and men who are on the entrepreneurship journey, who are whether in the same phase as me or a few steps ahead, who have just become good friends. And I feel like that I can lean on if I have questions about something. And, you know, as if you're starting a business, you know, there's so many things that you don't even know what questions to ask about. It's like, you don't know what you don't know. So I felt so far right now, my entrepreneurial journey is connecting with other founders who have been there and done that. Um, who are maybe a few steps ahead of me, who kind of understand in the thick of it and the details. And of course, like I listen to podcasts just as much as you, like these interviews I'm doing with women truly have impacted the way I've run my business so many times when things don't work out. I, I literally have a repository in my head. Oh yeah, that interview, this happened, she did this. So it gives me a sense of ease. And I listen to a bunch of podcasts. Like even if I don't have, have access to someone, even listening to them provides me as a source of inspiration as a mentor or advisor. So those are two ways I'm tackling it right now, but I don't have a formal set of advisors, um, but that's something I'm thinking through a lot. Great. Appreciate the honesty. Uh, this one isn't so much of a question as it is a comment. And it's always nice to hear a comment 
from uh, the audience. And so this one is from, again, we don't know who sent this in. It was all kind of like uh, these submissions that were you exported to me to be able to put together this interview. But it says, your podcast literally has helped me every week of my entrepreneurial mm. journey. So I thought that's really sweet. Wanted to share that with you. Okay, this feels like a Yasmin question, (laughs) and I'll leave it up to you to decide how you want to talk about it. But I do think it's worth touching on because this is the same type of thing you were probably asking yourself when you were listening to their content and watching them build their business. So question 31 on my list, and we haven't gone sequentially. I've just been picking random ones. Um, It would be interesting to know how Bia is actually going financially. How much do you want to share here? And is there any little teasers that you want to say about how the business is going financially? We talked a little bit about it on the first episode, but yeah, anything you want to acknowledge or talk about on that side? So this is a really good question because I feel like people don't talk about this enough and I'm going to try to be as helpful as I can. And, you know, it's, it's a good reminder because I feel like I can also bring this up in a lot of my interviews too, if people find it helpful with other entrepreneurs. Um, so yes, with Bia, so, you know, we're tracking to be like a mid six figure business. One thing, and I know I talked about this, uh, in my prior interview with you, babe, is how important it has been for me to be profitable from the beginning. And because again, we're self-funded and what does that look like? Like what are some of the hiccups I've kind of gone through to make sure we're profitable? Uh, You know, a few things that come to mind and I feel like I've made some big decisions or at least at the time it seemed like a big decision was early in the business, you know, with COVID just pricing for everything has gone up, especially ingredients for a certain point with all the high quality seeds that we get. And I remember looking at the numbers and thinking, this is completely impacting our profitability. Like I, you know, I look at everything, I track everything and I made the decision and it sounds small, but it's a big deal, especially when you just launched. Um, I decided to increase our pricing by $5 and that was really hard for me, right? Kay and I are very passionate about still making our product accessible, but I need to make sure that I have the right funds to support the business and to create the awareness out there to make the impact for women all over the world. So profitability has been huge for me and increasing it by $5 so we can operate as a business is huge. Another thing that you know I feel like I'm in a fortunate position and I wanna be super transparent is I'm not taking a salary. You know, luckily I've, I've saved money. I have a partner who, you know, whose income can support us and we've made that decision So we've shifted, you know, whatever lifestyle for us to kind of make this step in terms of me not taking a salary outside of the business. So I want to be completely transparent with that. And we put every single dollar back in the business, every single dollar. So that's really important for me right now in the phase we're at. Um, Not to say, you know, maybe next year I'll take a salary uh, a little bit and, um, Yeah. And I think the biggest thing to think about, especially as we go, we're, you know, we're in a recession, everyone's talking about next year and people have asked me like, how are you thinking about it for your business? I think it's really important to just make sure your fundamentals are strong. And listen, this will be my first time kind of going through something like this. So whatever I'm learning, I'm, you know, I'm happy to share, but we're not relying, for example, we don't do any paid ads and we're not relying on that to bring in customers. It's purely through word of mouth. It's purely through content right now. And I know that will get us to a certain point. We're going to have to shift it at some point. But making sure that we're just profitable and bringing in customers organically allows us to be you know, a sustainable business. And I'm actually very proud of how we've kind of put the right fundamentals in place and have built a profitable business. And that has just been you know, requiring us to look at every dollar from the beginning. Well, I want to take a moment here to say that these are all fantastic questions. I feel like we've barely scratched the surface, but I know we've been recording for an hour, so we're probably going to have to keep the rest of these for round two, which we should do soon. Let's not let as much time. I'm fighting for your listeners who actually want to know, know more behind he the scenes. Is. He is. There's some more great questions that are here, but babe, I just appreciate you opening up super honestly about these questions, your struggles, what's working, what's more challenging and just um, how you were on your journey to build your own empire. I think it's very inspiring. I've told you this all the time. You know, you look up to people like Sarah Blakely, you look up to entrepreneurs that are out there like Jessica Alba and many other ones that are not as famous or well-known. 
And I'd always say that if you could have a little behind the scenes on them when they were first just starting out their business, how useful would that be? Because we often see people at their end stage or on some magazine cover or whatever else it would be, but we don't see them on the path of building up. So I appreciate you doing these very vulnerable uh, Q&As for your audience. Well, I appreciate you asking me these questions because I thought about it. I was like, okay, we have all these questions. Let me just get on a mic and talk to myself. And I definitely had a blockage and I felt just like it just didn't feel right. So I appreciate you, babe, for taking time to ask these questions and you make it more fun. And obviously, you know, a lot of the behind the scenes. So you're able to hopefully pull on some threads that, you know, might be helpful for people that I might not have remembered. But I so appreciate these questions. And again, just hearing your feedback is huge for me. So if this is helpful if you want to hear a different side of things or if you have questions, please reach out to me at yasmin at behindherempire.com or on Instagram, Yasmin K. Nori. I really love hearing from you guys. And the reason why you know I've been doing this podcast weekly for the past two years is because of you and hopefully the value that I'm bringing. So I really love hearing from you guys. And I'm just so honored that you even listened. If you're here an hour into the interview, it truly means a world. So thank you so, so much. Thank you guys so much. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Behind Her Empire. If you enjoyed this conversation, it would mean the world to me if you would consider leaving a review or even sharing this episode with someone who might be inspired to create their own empire. To stay updated on new episodes or join our private community, visit BehindHerEmpire.com to sign up. We send inspiring and short emails every week to your inbox. I'll see you next week. And until then, remember, you're always in charge of your own destiny and it's never too late to start your own empire.